asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing price profiteering, ESG, BS, and secondhand smarts. ESGBS. <laughs> We're going to get to that story, plus a bunch of others today on our Friday flight. These are the headlines that we've come across this week. But uh, real quick, man, I wanted to share. So listener Benjamin, he emailed into us and he wanted to make sure that we knew about the Capital One bonuses that have been rolling he out. Sending out the red alert to everybody out there who's <laughs> like, hey, if, you, if you're still banking with a crummy bank, not only can you do business with someone who doesn't hate you, but also there's a bonus at stake too. Yeah, Capital One, they are a legitimate online savings account, checking account, totally. place to keep all of your money. They are one of the OG good online yeah. bank accounts. Yeah, what was it? The, um, it used to be ING Direct. Back in the day. Yes. Th- then I had 
the it's ing like, electric orange electric checking orange. account. <laughs> so I'm like grandfathered in. Man, I've been there a long time. That was back when they were paying like 5% on that electric orange account yeah. back in 2005, I think it was. I think it was that long ago. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. We, um, if only we had 5% interest rates on savings accounts again. I think those days are over. Uh, but it turns out you can get a $150 bonus if you deposit $20,000 with Capital One. And if you have $50,000 sitting around, it turns out you can get a $450 bonus uh, by making that deposit and keeping that account open for, I think, something like three months. Yeah, same thing with a checking account, too, right? You can earn yeah, that, that's right. 250 bucks just for opening a checking account, doing two direct deposits. Both of these deals end in mid to late June. We'll, we'll link to, to them in the show notes. But yeah, if you're, if you're disappointed uh, with your current bank or with what you're making at your current bank, these are great. I, I love not just the uh, ability to, Matt, earn just a slightly higher rate of interest, but the bonuses. It's like the, it's like the whipped cream on top mm-hmm. and cherry. And it, it's it, like you knew you wanted it anyway, yeah. but this just sweetens the deal it, even more. For a lot of people, it's like, okay, that's going to get me off my duff and make it happen. Yeah. Well, simultaneously, I do think we are going to see more deals by some of the different banks because I think the competition has gotten a little more stiff as banks are seeing that folks have less less cash on hand. I mean, we we can see, like you can, if you check with the Fed, they, they've got an awesome chart where it shows that the personal savings rate is back down to pre-pandemic levels. Yeah. Uh, we're back to the way things were. Folks have less cash on hand, but there's no guarantee that there are going to be upcoming bonuses, yeah. but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, okay. Well, it, you know, we'll we see. will continue to put out information if we see good bonuses for switching banks. And we'll also call them out in our How to Money newsletter by the way, you can sign up at howtomoney.com slash newsletter. But Matt, let's get to the Friday flight, the sampling of stories we found interesting this week and how they pertain to your personal finances. And let's let's start off by talking about uh, something free that all of our listeners qualify for. And Everyone it's, likes a freebie. That's right. It's been a minute since we've talked about this, but uh, COVID cases are back up across the nation. We've seen a 60% increase in the past two weeks alone, which is obviously crappy news. But on the bright side, everyone out there can get more free at home COVID tests. Uh, So just head to covidtests.gov and you can snag eight free antigen rapid tests for home use. What was it, Matt? We were able to get four a few months ago. I don't keep track. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you can get eight. And so, yeah, just in in case uh, you want to avoid paying 15, 20 bucks at the store for a, a couple of tests, you can get them for free from the federal government. I think that's the federal government just saying, I don't, we don't want to keep these sitting around in warehouses <laughs> anymore. Let's just go ahead and send them out yeah. <laughs> so we don't have to sign another lease. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. Our buddy 5AM Joel, he sent us a recent survey from OpU. They've got a bunch of free resources and, and free little classes that they offer online. Uh, but they found that 73% of folks don't have a budget that they follow regularly, which is obviously not good. Uh, we, th- I Personally, I think everyone needs a budget, regardless if you are on the frugal end of the, of the spectrum or if you're a spendthrift, right? Because I think you need a budget for different reasons. Obviously, if you are a spendthrift and you need, you need a budget to regulate your expenses because you're overspending most mm-hmm. likely. But even folks who are on the frugal end of the spectrum, I think, need to have a budget on hand to make sure that they're spending their dollars the way that they want to, the, yeah. the, the way that they have decided makes them the happiest. That they're not freaking out every time they spend a dollar because they're like, oh, no, no. I budgeted for that. It's okay. Even the, and I know that twenty percent or twenty five percent of my incomes go into investments and savings. You know that I think the budget can relieve some stress even for frugal people. It, it puts on paper what you say that you're going to do with your money. Yeah, yeah and it kind of keeps your emotions in check. I think living life without a budget is sort of like like riding a motorcycle without a helmet. It's incredibly risky. Or it's it's like running a football play without 
just winging it. It's just like, everybody just run. Let's see what happens. Uh, that's where you get the flea flicker, I think. I think that's where that came from. <laughs> exactly. But the longer that you go without tracking your spending and, and creating a budget that you can actually stick to, the more likely you are to spend money in ways that don't align with your values. The more likely you are to take on debt, even for purchases that, that don't move the needle for you. And it'll likely also take a lot longer to get some financial breathing room, much less uh, for you to reach some of those bigger financial goals that you might have. And so definitely make sure to check out Mint. You can use their software for free. YNAB, we've talked about you need a budget before, but you're going to pay $9 a month in order to use their software. But maybe that is the the sort of buy-in. Maybe that's the skin in the game that you need in order to actually follow through. And every, I was, everyone I talk to who has used YNAB they like, love swears it. by it. They love it. I was literally yeah. talking to a, a parent at, at school yesterday, and she didn't know what I did. Got to talking about the podcast, and she looked at me like locked eyes and said, <laughs> oh, you, then you know about YNAB, right? I was like, oh, yeah, are you, are you a fan? She's like, I love YNAB. Yeah. And so if you have not checked them out, make sure to look into it. And by the way, Back in episode 362, we actually talked about why it is that not only that you need a budget, but that you need a bare bones budget. And that one, we shared why it is incredibly important for you to know how little you could potentially live on were stuff to hit the fan. Especially with the looming recession talks, Matt. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nice to have that bare bones budget in your back pocket, knowing that you can cut your spending and dramatically improve your finances overnight. So yeah, we love people going through that practice and having that on hand. So let's talk about housing because not having bu- a budget is, is obviously something you're, you're likely to regret. You're not going to be mm-hmm. optimizing where your money is going and that'll have significant ramifications in the short and the long term on your financial health. But another regret that folks are having uh, that also has disastrous financial consequences is waiving a home inspection. And we've seen people doing that uh, hand over fist lately, right? That's a bad idea. Yeah. And buying a car, we've heard people talk about buying a car that's a lemon that Mm -hmm. just like uh, has the same issue on repeat that ends up costing people. It's it's just a, it's a money pit. Well, that's a bad thing. But buying a home that's a lemon is catastrophic. It's far worse than even buying a car that's a lemon. But so many folks have been doing that over the past 18 months as the housing market has heated up. You know, we've warned on the show against waiving inspection rights. I know a lot of folks were doing it in an effort to win a bidding war because like they felt like there was no other way for them to get the house they wanted. Right. But still, <laughs> they needed to take a step, a drastic step to set them apart from the competition. That's right. But a lot of people are finding out on the backside of that, that there are a lot of issues with this house that they didn't they weren't aware of because they didn't have an inspection done and now some folks are regretting it and they're having to pile a ton of money into a house that they thought had a clean bill of health right. uh, but it, yeah it's been especially risky uh, for for home buyers lately especially inexperienced home buyers it's it's incredibly risky to waive a home inspection we want to wave a large red caution flag to to make you think twice before you waive a home inspection with any offer and hopefully as the housing market appears to be cooling off at least a little bit that will feel less necessary for lots of folks yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, it's better just to keep renting than to get in over your head with a house that has a ton of issues. But yeah, we I think we are seeing a little bit more supply on the you know within the housing market. We're seeing some more price cuts. We're seeing some houses sitting longer on the market, uh, and that means that a home inspection clause uh, that you would normally include is going to be less likely to prevent your offer from being considered moving forward. We believe, and a home inspection isn't a necessity in every single case. In some instances, some home sellers have actually been providing their own home inspection provided by a third party just to kind of grease the wheels, grease the skids a little bit uh, to kind of smooth out the the process. But that is not something we would recommend. 
we yeah, would you still, still should get your own. Want you to get your own exactly. Yeah, you want to make sure that that multi hundred thousand dollar purchase is in good working order before you drop down all of that change. Yeah, there are certain things that certain regrets that people have in life. This is one we don't want you to have because it can cost you a ton of money and just a lot of headaches too. Let's talk about financial literacy for a second, Matt. There's a uh, there's this thing called the spillover effect, which you and I we've never really talked about on the show. But there was a, a white paper uh, written recently, just released, that talks about this very phenomenon and. You, know, you and I were big fans of virtually any form of financial literacy, and, and we're always looking to highlight when states are making it a priority in K-12 education. You know, Our fine state of Georgia just uh, made a requirement for personal finance classes moving for- forward starting next year. We're excited about that. Yeah. Um, but there might be some naysayers out there. I don't know who they are, but bring them my way and I'll set them straight. Who They might wonder if, uh, well, is any of this really making a difference, right? Or uh, even just some skeptics who are less enthusiastic because of how long it's going to take for these financial lessons to make their way into the real world. Like, should we actually be teaching kids about how to handle money well, or is it a waste of time? I feel like those are the same folks who are not willing to plant an acorn or like a seedling to, to see that tree grow up and shade the house because yeah. it's like, well, it's not going to benefit me at all. But even still, I think uh, what we're talking about here is paying it forward. Yes, ag- agreed. And some recent research actually proves that there's a large, what's called a, a spillover effect of this newly acquired financial knowledge that kids uh, partake in, in elementary, middle or high school. And, you know, it's, it's actually, it's interesting because it's not just the students who are benefiting, it's the parents too. Uh, this study was done over the course uh, of a, a full semester and researchers found that there was quote unquote an economically significant increase in financial literacy not only from what the students encountered in the classroom but in the knowledge that their parents acquired secondhand as well because those kids are bringing the lessons they're learning back to the dinner table they're having family conversations and so the parents are benefiting from what the kids are learning too exactly yeah and we love hearing this of course because it it reinforces our belief that learning how to money will not only create a better life for yourself but also for those around you. Uh, There's also another interesting aspect of the research. It showed that the spillover effect, it didn't apply to all parents equally. But not surprisingly, there was more of an increase in the parents who had more of these face-to-face interactions with their kids throughout the week. Meaning, the more we talk about personal finances, the the better we should be doing (laughs) with our personal finances. So the the TLDR is just to keep talking about money with, with everyone that you love. We're all about making personal finance and talking about money, more commonplace. We do not want it to be taboo. And so we're going to encourage you to do the same. Yeah. It makes me think of a conversation, Matt, you and I had years ago with Dan LaSalle, who is now he's a, a principal, I think, but he, at the time he was a teacher and he like made money tangible for the kids, the personal finance classes at this inner city school in Philadelphia. He gave them money. He gave them jobs. They had actual cash on hand to start investing. And one of the side effects that he mentioned was that that parents of these kids who didn't know much about personal finance, as these kids were learning a ton, the parents were learning a lot too. And I thought that was cool. The spillover effect, we never really talked about it, but now that I'm thinking back, I'm like, oh, well, we kind of refer to it or Dan did at least. That's that's what that was. Yeah, that's what was happening in that case. That's right. Uh, Okay, let's keep moving. Let's talk about how the the Washington Post, they wrote this article about a $27 airport beer. Y'all know we're not against paying more for some great beer, but we're not talking about paying that much for an incredible barrel-aged stout or some meticulously crafted fruited sour. Well, I'll pay a lot of money for a Cantillon, my friend. Right. No, no. This is a $27 Sam Adams summer ale. Oh, ouch. <laughs> which is 
what I'm not going to knock on Sam Adams, no, but fine. 27 bucks no. is, is is a lot. It's, not worth it. And it set off this crackdown on concession prices by the New York Port Authority. I think Ooh. this beer was sold at LaGuardia. Yeah, uh, it's kind of funny that like, just a really expensive, uh, generic, some, somewhat craft beer can set off like some sort of government uh, intervention. Well, honestly, like that's that, that's a part of why we're talking about this, right? Because the real question is, should there be a bunch of interventions just because someone decided to pay that much for the, for a beer? Like, let people make their dumb decisions if they want to with with their money, right? I mean, if I had seen that, uh, of course, I would have been like, wait, Sam Adams Summer Ale, uh, this is worth um, maybe a third of this at most. And I would have kept I would have kept walking or I've ordered water instead or ordered another beer that didn't sure. cost as much. But I'm, I'm usually like, I'm not much of an airport beer guy just because the prices are inflated at the airport. Like, just keep moving on down the road. But I, some folks would argue that like, oh, no, the airport beer is the best kind of beer. You really? know, like, like there's all there's there's all different types of beers. Uh, that are dependent upon the situation in which you drink them. Like a hot tub beer, a shower beer, the <laughs> okay. beach beer is also... I didn't know airport beer was included in that. Oh, I, I think not for me personally, because I'm not willing to pay the inflated rates as well. But for those who want to pay stupid prices for that airport beer, I think they should be allowed to do so. It's not like they're being forced to pay that for something that they must have in order to survive or something like that. Yeah. It's not like it's. It's not like we're talking about baby formula, right? Like <laughs> right, there's a big yeah. difference between big difference. baby formula and a summer ale. But we've actually got more to discuss in the realm of ridiculous prices, uh, and we will get to more of that right after this. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. That's why you listen to this podcast. And if you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access... Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs 
and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back. And it's it's time to get into the ludicrous headline of the week. Matt, we were just talking about expensive beer at the airport. Well, uh, this week's ludicrous headline comes from the New York Times, and it reads... I listened in on big business. It's profiting from inflation, and you're paying for it. Time to talk about price gouging. Let's talk about price gouging, price profiteering. It's, uh, it is true that in this time of rising prices, many businesses have actually seen increased profits. You know, Some of these businesses have been able to pass higher costs and a little bit more on to consumers uh, in, in recent months. This has led to more folks, including some politicians, pointing fingers at corporate America with accusations of... Price gouging. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. In a market-based economy, a company that rips off its customers doesn't often perform well in the long term. Like, to that beer example, most folks see the price and they keep walking on because they say, that's ludicrous. <laughs> even, even though it was a 23-ounce pour. I, I, okay. I also saw that. <laughs> it's still more than a dollar an ounce, my friend. It's very, very expensive. Yes. Yeah. Well, plus, many of these businesses are taking those profits. They're investing more back into the business, you know, training more employees, uh, offering raises to their employees. Other uh, businesses are actually reporting less than stellar numbers. Look at what happened with Walmart and Target and their earnings reports this week. You know, If customers get taken advantage of, they tend to vote with their wallets exactly. and they, they go elsewhere in the future. You know, Profit padding, I would say, is is not real. You know, it's not the reason that we're seeing higher than normal inflation. Yeah, again, going back to the beer story, I think only like three people had purchased had, had spent that much money on the on that dumb beer. <laughs> yeah. uh, but my question would be like, and those people probably had expense accounts, and their oh, employer, y- you know, they had expense guarantee accounts. their employer was paying for it because <laughs> it's not an individual who is price sensitive paying for that. Right, but it's it's not like a bunch of companies got together uh, and you know all at once decided to become a little more greedy. What actually caused the change? Because competition is still strong in most sectors of our economy, uh, and even though yeah, there are some corporations that have seen increased profits, that doesn't mean 
assuming that these profits are going to continue to be inflated uh, in the coming months into the future. And here's the thing. You don't even have to. This is more of kind of like a, the, the opinion corner right now for, for how to money. But <laughs> yeah. you don't have to this just the op-ed section take of... our word for it. Uh, a survey of economists shows that the vast majority of economists disagree with the narrative that businesses are exploiting the inflationary environment to rake in more dough. And on top of that, almost all of these economists disagreed with the idea that government use of price controls would help rein in inflation as well. COVID delays, supply shortages, these these have all been difficult for many businesses to deal with. But it's important to remember that healthy businesses help to create a, a healthy economy that we all end up benefiting from in the end. Yeah, we can talk about a lot of reasons that inflation has taken off the way that it has. And I know that it's painful for consumers. But if you want things to get more painful, just try instituting price controls. Just try creating more levers over who can charge what for what good or service. There are some historical examples we can point to of how that works out. But uh, a perfect example also of what we're talking about was reflected in another story actually from Bloomberg this week. AT&T and Verizon are raising prices on cell phone plans. It's not by a ton. It's not a big move forward, but millions of customers uh, are going to start seeing an increased administration charge on their bill, meaning they're going to pay $1.35 more moving forward starting next month. Are these companies trying to eke out some additional profit? Maybe. Do, do we hate fees? Yes, we do. <laughs> is is this gouging, though? We would say no. And the great thing is you can leave those companies whenever you want to. You can do business elsewhere. And we would say if you're with either of those two companies, you should. Yeah. You should leave right now. You should go down the road. <laughs> Just like the bonuses for the different checking accounts, this is the perfect opportunity for you to say, you know what? Like from a principled standpoint, it is time for me to move yeah, on. It's just a buck 30, but guess what? I don't want to deal with that. And I'm already paying more than I should be. And so Mint Mobile, Visible, and Google Fi are all vastly superior options. And those companies have actually been reducing rates and fees in recent months. So competition is alive and well in most sectors. And it's benefiting all of us. Yeah, again, as long as we have options to spend our money in the ways that we want to, we will see the market correct itself. We will see people looking, because here's the thing, if there's not competition, like there wasn't 10 years ago in the cell phone service provider space, you're going to see companies like Visible and Mint and Google Fi pop up because they see that opportunity. Is it going to happen overnight? No. And so there will be, I think, some periods of time when we might be paying a little bit more than we would like to. But that is leaving the door open for opportunity for somebody who is willing to be be a little more entrepreneurial and to provide a service that people are willing to pay for. So, Joel, you know, we're not sold on the company's gouging us narrative necessarily, but gouging is taking place uh, in some industries. Consumer Reports, they detailed car repair loans. Oh. Not car loans, car repair loans. That, uh, <laughs> I didn't even really know these were a thing until I read this Consumer Reports yeah. article. Yes, yeah. so And I wept. Some car repair chains are engaging now in this practice. Like We're not even fans of taking out a loan to, to buy a car, much less than getting a loan for repairs on your car. But some of the more well-known car repair brands like Amco, Jiffy Lube, Precision Tune. Instead of well-known, I would say notorious. Not- yeah, probably so. <laughs> uh, they're charging massive rates of interest on loans that they're doling out to customers who can't afford to pay for that repair up front. Some of these loans had interest rates up to 189%. Mm. That's uh, payday loan territory. It's pretty messed up. Uh, The CFPB, they're seeing a rise in complaints for these sorts of predatory car repair loans as well. So our advice, don't ever take out one of these loans. Never. It's a a financial necessity to save up for potential future car repairs. Uh, And you do this by just setting aside money every single month. You know it's inevitable. Like, you know that at some point in time, even if you have an EV, you're going to have to make some repairs to your car, Mm -hmm. whether that's just 
paying for like <laughs> new windshield wipers or new tires or something larger. Uh, if you take out a loan for windshield wipers, then <laughs> you're in a really bad position. <laughs> but even if you absolutely had to borrow some money to make a larger repair, something in, you know bigger than uh, wiper blades, <laughs> your credit union, that is likely going to have much better options for you. Do not take out a car repair loan. No, yes, please do not, especially from one of these chains that is charging ridiculous amounts of interest. So something that could might cost uh, a $500 repair could end up costing you like $1,200 or something like that yeah. uh, because of the interest that they're charging on. It makes sense though. It's, it's sort of like, I mean, these, these different car repair places, they're taking a leaf out of, uh, they're taking a page out of Victoria's Secret and Banana Republic's playbook, right? Yeah. Where they're trying to get people to sign up for financing because that is how they make so much money. That's right. That's how they make their money. Speaking of financing, Matt, and you just mentioned we don't even like car loans. Well, um, the average car note uh, as it stands is $650 a month. And the average length of that car loan is almost six years. Uh, that's according to Edmonds. So those are recent stats. Six years, man. I couldn't believe it when I saw it. So not only people are taking out these these car repair loans, but people are also just have, on top of that, some sort of $650 a month uh, uh, debt in their life that they're paying uh, religiously. It's, it's crazy. So you could have a seventh grader, and by the time you pay off that car, they're a freshman in college. <laughs> yeah. That's frightening. That's <laughs> a good you, way to put it. That's, that? that's, uh, that's really scary <laughs> that it would take you that long to pay off your car loan, and that it would cost you that much every single month. You know, Like Matt said, we're big fans of having no car payment at all. Paying cash for your next car is a great goal to have. And that means uh, starting to save money for that now. So for these things, like you mentioned YNAB earlier, Matt, YNAB is great at helping you plan for future expenses like that. But you don't, you don't need software to help you do that. You can do that on your own. And starting a sinking fund for that next car purchase so that you aren't uh, signing yourself up for some sort of ridiculous $600, $700, $800 a month car payment is, is crucial. Your car might be driving fine right now, but it can't hurt to start planning for uh, something a few years down the road. Totally. Especially if you're driving a much older car, you know, that's starting to have maybe a few more issues, then I think starting a sinking fund for that new car purchase would be wise. Even just socking away 100 or, or 200 bucks a month would be uh, a massive help, you know, when it comes time to buy that new car. Uh, and fortunately, actually, used car prices are finally going down after a couple years of those prices defying gravity and rising like a balloon yeah. let go by a two-year-old. It's like, what, what was up was down. And if someone had told me three years ago, guess what? Used car prices are going to soar. I would be like, what? No it way. Not have made any, that, that's like any the, sense. the opposite of everything you learn in personal finance 101. Yeah. I mean, they're unlikely to crater back to pre-pandemic levels in the near future, but it, it's good at least to see that we're starting to see signs of normalcy within that used car market inventory. Yep. All right, Matt. On a, on a similar note of cars, well, uh, there was a, an interesting story this week about electric car manufacturer Tesla and its intersection of them. with sustainable investing. Yes, their um, CEO is like outspoken and brash on Twitter, apparently. Um, Never heard of that guy. Who though. knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, what's known as ESG funds that, uh, that uh, prioritize environmental, social, and governance factors when it comes to the companies they invest in, well, the S&P actually has its own ESG index, and they announced this week that they're kicking Tesla out. And of course, uh, <laughs> Elon Musk, <laughs> he's always got a response. He's always uh, got some sort of something to say about everything that happens, but 
specifically anything that happens with Tesla. And he called ESG funds the devil incarnate. Um, <laughs> overkill? Yeah, maybe maybe just a little bit. But uh, my friend Jack, he, he writes over at Young Money, Matt, he actually wrote this week that ESG, and I quote, isn't real. And I think he's on to something. We've talked about this before, that people place too much value on ESG funds. And the companies that are included in these ESG funds varies across the board depend on who depending on who's picking. And exactly. uh, for instance, like, you know, if Tesla, the world's foremost EV maker, isn't worthy of inclusion in this ESG index, but ExxonMobil is, mm. I guess I'm just really confused about what the actual <laughs> credentials are for, for inclusion or for a company that's considered to be doing socially responsible things. So it goes to show that your definition of sustainable investing, it may not be someone else's definition. So our advice is to invest in these funds with caution and do it for the right reasons. Make sure that you're doing your due diligence to make sure that any ESG fund you're partaking in is actually investing in the companies you think are doing good work. And also pay attention to the fees. These ESG funds are uh, come with much higher fees, typically, than the index funds that Matt and I recommend. And I get the desire to invest in companies that are also doing good. It's just that not every ESG fund is actually doing that. Yeah, and I like what you said about making sure that you're investing for the right reasons, because I do think a lot of folks are making these investments just to kind of soothe over their conscience a little Makes bit. Makes you feel good. We've we've gotten into the habit, I think, of outsourcing our own responsibility towards the world and the environment and some of the other charitable causes that maybe folks used to participate in. But instead, they buy a pair of socks or they buy a pair of shoes or they buy a pair of glasses. And guess what? They take care of the donation part of that. And I do think it's great that companies have a, more of a mission, right? Right? Like they, they have a more, more of a charitable mindset. But I do believe that that lets people off the hook a little bit. And then when it comes to something like this and, and how they invest, they think, oh, ESG, that's much better. When in fact, it's not necessarily better from the standpoint of the companies that they invest in. And like you said, oftentimes they are more expensive. Even Vanguard, uh, if you look at their total stock market ETF, expense ratio of 0.03%. Uh, their total stock market ESG fund is 0.09%. Mm. That's three times more expensive. And granted, that's it's not, still relatively it's, low. It's still really cheap, right? Like we're talking about hundredths of a percent here. But principally speaking, it's literally three times more expensive. And so are you going to see... you're going to see a bigger gap with a whole lot of other fund providers, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this is Vanguard. Like basically this is as affordable of an ESG fund I think that you can get. Yeah. If anyone's beating them, maybe it's Fidelity because they like to go zero <laughs> <laughs> with things. But again, just keep that in mind. Make, make sure that you are investing for the right reasons. But as it stands, it seems like ESG investing is just a bunch of signaling. It's a bunch of theater. Unless you've been able to identify that the particular fund that you're investing in is excluding a certain type of industry that you don't want to be investing in. Yeah, and depending on how you view social media and what it's doing to the fabric of our society, an ESG fund might be creating more division <laughs> in our culture as a whole because it is investing in some of the social media companies that maybe you might not be a big fan of. So much of it comes down to the particulars of each individual fund. And it's something just just want to put that on your radar this week. But uh, Matt, that's going to do it for today's Friday flight. Uh, we hope everyone out there has a great weekend. And on Monday, we'll be back with a fresh episode with, uh, it's an interview with our new friend, Erica Young, mm -hmm. who is a legit excellent money coach. And she's going to talk all about what benefit you can derive from having a money coach in your corner. It's an excellent conversation and we look forward to sharing it with you then. That's right. So that's going to be it for today though. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out.
It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.